Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the musicians, the working musicians podcast, episode 19 for Monday, June 15th, 2015. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, back in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Back in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. And I'm on a system where I can hear what's being recorded. So at least at this point, I know we've got something we can release, my friend. And what a bummer, because we were on a freaking roll last week. Yeah, it is a bummer. And, and I, I, we try to, I, I try to separate my Mac geek stuff from our, uh, from our music geek, but here's the ironic thing earlier that same evening, I was talking to Paul Kafasis who makes uh, audio hijack pro, which is the software that we were using to record it. And I was telling him he needs to add buffering controls in because it creates not having them creates a scenario where you could record something and not realize you had an error in the recording. And, uh, and, and that was, I mean, literally, uh, you know, two hours before we had that exact problem. I was like, son, and I saw him the next night and, uh, I'm like, you know, I said your name in some, some bad words with it last <laughs> night. And he's like, what? And he was on his way to go. I think he was hosting a, uh, an event that, that actually that John Gruber was having. So he, he didn't have time to, uh, to, to, to talk to me about it. But I told him, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll let you know. So. Yeah, but just to set the scene for everybody, so Dave and I, we were reunited at a at a day job uh, trade show. Uh, we were actually hanging out at a party at that trade show that night, listening to music, talking about music. And Dave had Airbnb, a nice place not too far, and I was actually crashing with him that night. And uh, we get home from the party, and we're just kind of talking about stuff, talking about the band, talking about life. And it's pretty late, and Dave's like, "Well, you want to do this thing tonight?" I was like, "No, it's too late." And then we just keep talking and talking yeah, like an hour and, later. Yeah. Right. And then we're like, you want to do this? You're like, oh, I guess we're on a roll. And it was actually one of the most flowing, like from the heart conversations that we've had. And we were like really excited about it. And then you listen to it back and there was that yeah, noise it and wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's recapture that. I think, uh, I think we could probably go right back in on that this week and uh, do just as well. I think we can. So y- yeah, to set the, to, to continue with, with the stage you've set, Paul, we, the band that we saw was, and, and we, we actually uh, collectively kind of helped them do their sound. Uh, they were a lot, it was a, an industry party for an, the Apple industry and it was live band karaoke. And they've played there many, many times before, and they never had anybody running sound. So things were always a little weird because you have different vocalists all night. And of course, the levels are all over the place. So this year I offered to do sound and Paul helped out by by contributing his his mixer that let us mix it wirelessly. And and so that that sort of set the stage and set the tone because I, I think it was during the party. You said to me, you know, I don't know that I could do this. It, meaning you don't know that you could play, you know, in a, a live band, karaoke band night after night. It might be fun once. Right. But, you know, um, and so that made me ask us collectively the question, what uh, what is your what is your metric? What is it that makes you happy about a performance? What what are you looking to get out of a performance? And I think that answer is very different for a lot of people, right? Um, these guys that were doing, you know, to, to, to use them as the, as the starting example, these guys that were doing live band karaoke, they do this all the time. They're called the amazing embarrassonics. I think if I've got them, if my memory serves me and they clearly have fun with it 
uh, they know like 500 songs. They half know 500 songs, but they, right. but they know them better than their singer does. Right. <laughs> Which is all they need to do. And they're really good at coaching their singer kind of through the, through the tune and, and covering things and just making it a fun, a fun gig. But it it's never going to be high quality product that they're putting out for one. I mean, there's a lot of things they don't get right. They always get an enthusiastic crowd because uh, that's the, that's how that kind of thing works. But that's, you know, it sort of ends there. Yeah. I, I turned to you and I said, I could not do this. And there's a, or a couple of things going through my mind. Um, it, even though it's covers every song that we play in any of my projects, you know, the black Sunday roadshow house rockers, or even when I play solo, I pick songs that, you know, have some resonance with me and I try to interpret them for the people who are listening or that I'm performing for. And so actually let me back up a little bit. So why do you play? Some people might say I play for money. Mm-hmm. And and this band, you know, clearly they get booked to do this type of thing. They seem like great guys. Like you said, they they know probably 500 songs to some degree. Uh, they have a great attitude, no matter how silly somebody comes on stage and is hacking through a song or is overly serious about a song or whatever it is. They were very skilled at guiding the karaokeist to the greatest degree of fun that that person could have, it's and that's true. totally admirable. And that's great. Some people want to find some way to get gigs, to get good paying gigs. And to them that, that is uh, you know, a metric of, I guess, artistic, if not financial success. And that's okay. Hey, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the in thing the is any way, of these answers are okay. It's just interesting yeah, in that we all have different ones. Yeah, we do in the same way that, you know, there are bands that, you know, change costumes 25 times. I couldn't do that either. Yeah. Uh, there are bands that, um, you know, there's musicians that play, uh, you know, all sorts of genres of music that are, you know, not something that moved me. So the question, what, why do I do it? I, the thing that gets me the most juice when I play music is that feeling when you play a chord or a riff and you hear that scream from the audience, when you hear that thing that connects with people and, and it's even better when the band's on a roll and it's three or four and they don't think it can get any better. And you play one, you know, one more song that gets them going even further. That visceral charge, that to me is the thing that makes me want to pick up a guitar every single day. Wow. Really? I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm, I, I get that. And that's a, and it's a, that's absolutely a wonderful thing. Don't it's, it's, it's very special. In fact, uh, when that connection can be made, um, but that's not, that's not at the top of the list for me. What is? Yeah. So for me, it, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into playing, but, the thing that really drives me and the thing that, you know, I, I guess the way I have to look at it is at the end of the gig, what do I think back to and say, oh, yeah, this was worth it, you know, and even when it's two in the morning and, you know, you're driving home in a, in a rainstorm and, you know, whatever it all is. Right. What? Why is it? And and the money is for me is rarely the thing that that does that. In fact, I don't know that it's ever been. Uh, if it is the money, it's like last ditch effort, you know, for me to, to find something to grab onto. Well, at least we got paid well, right? You know, that's, that's not the thing that makes me, I don't do this for the money. 
I respect just to be clear, I respect that in some of the bands I play in, especially with chafed, a couple of the guys do do it full time, or at least as a significant part of their income. And, and I respect that. And, and that's part of the reason I won't cancel gigs on, on those guys, because, you know, I know that I'm part of a team and all of that, but uh, for me personally, it's, it's not, the money's nice, but it's not, it's not the money. It's um, the thing that I will think back to that really makes it worth my while is those moments and and this is similar to you, but uh, I guess it's a it's a a broader thing for me. And it, it, those moments where more often than not the connection happens on stage, something happens. There's a look. We've played a pat. We've either played a passage well, or we've had a problem and and sort of either navigated it out of it successfully or not, but hopefully successfully. Or we've had a cool moment that just kind of transcends. You know, music's one of those things where. It's so cliche to say it's the universal language. Uh, It is a language. I won't say it's a universal language because I played with some musicians that just don't don't get that level of of conversation. But when you're playing music with someone, you're having a conversation with them. And it's uh, to a degree could be a scripted conversation or not. Right. You know, there's improvisational and time moments and, and scripted moments. But those moments where it really locks in and something special happens that that really transcends anything you could speak about or even connect with on any other way that those, those kind of, I call them once in a lifetime experiences. There's, there's strings of them, but they're all very different and yet kind of the same thing. It's that, that's what, that's what gets me out there. And sometimes that happens with the crowd. Uh, Not often. Uh, the, The crowd certainly reacts to their memory of, of a song that you're playing, be it a cover, if they, you know, if, if, if they know it, or even an original, if it's, you know, it's something that it's familiar to them, but, but those in the moment, because of the moment interactions are the, are really the thing that drive me. Yeah. You're kind of more of a music musicians, musician, you know, you, you view it that way. And I do. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Sure. Yeah. And I've heard, I, I can totally get that. And, uh, and you've experienced it too. I know because we've experienced it together without a doubt. But my thought is this, um, that from my perspective, that process of slaying an audience, it is a team sport. It's not just me playing the opening riff to a chord. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's a band playing well together. And the best I can relate to you is actually the, is the inverse of that. How incredibly disappointing it is when the band collectively or one part of the band screws up a song you know, how much that is like soul sucking to be up there wanting to do well and have some, have things not, you know, even I guess that it could even extend to, you know, if the sound system sucks or, you know, a guy forgets words or, you know, whatever it could be. Uh, So the inverse of that. So when it's not going well, it is so disheartening. Yeah. Well, Uh, that, that's, so we didn't do what we normally do because we didn't start the show by talking about our our gigs. So we'll do that at the end, but I, we played what I would call a fairly important gig for us, one of our fling fests. And and I guess I'm trying to think we did it right before I was in San Francisco. So we've seen each other since then. I, my, my, I've been traveling too much and I have too much coming (laughs) up, but yeah, but, and it's, it's not over, but that's okay. It, it, so my timeline's a little screwed up, but our last tune was one that we had rehearsed. Uh, that same week, our horn pl- we had we invited a horn player to play with us. He we, he rehearsed it. Uh, it's a tune, the Doobie Brothers tune. Actually, you gave me the the horn chart for this tune, Long Train Running, years and years ago. And I've played it with a couple of different bands, and uh, 
and we changed the key of it because I, in this band, I'm the one that gets nominated to sing it. And so we lowered it a whole step for me. And that meant our horn player had recharted it and we learned it this way. And we've been playing it this way for years. And I don't know, for whatever reason, our guitar player started it in its normal key. We've never played it in the normal key. And so that meant, A, I had to sing it way up there, but I was pretty loosened up and it was fine. I, I made it through, but I knew immediately that, you know, this was the wrong key. But I also knew this meant our horn player could not play any of the licks during this first section of the tune. When we got to the middle break, that tune has that middle break in the middle. And uh, funnily enough that the middle break would be in the middle. But, uh, and and so at that point, I, I you know, I, I verbally grabbed our, our guitar player and made it clear he was going to lower the key to what we normally play it in. But yeah, extremely frustrating when, when you, when you, happens. when you pick a song to play in a cover band, the first thing that happens is in your mind, you're going through how it's going to go over. That's right. Every song that you pick is like, Oh, the audience is going to love this or, Oh, this will fit great with that one. Yep. And you kind of have this, this mental picture of people reacting to the song. That's where you start before you ever even play a note in a cover band. It's true. You're not always then, right about that, by the way, no, but that's where no. you start. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you rehearse and you try and make that dream come true, that vision come true. So it is, it's, it's very disappointing, disheartening when uh, something doesn't go over the way that you want. And to, and there's a whole spectrum of degree to what not going over means. That's I mean, true. Yes. There's flubs. There's, there's lack of precision. There's, you know, technical issues. So there's a whole, a host of things, but so, so to bring that back around, um, when the team executes well and goes over, and it is kind of a sports team analogy. I mean, totally. When, you know, when you win over a crowd collectively, that sense of teamwork really does that permeates. Now, I'm not. I think the difference between what we're seeing something is I'm I'm thinking almost managerially that did this enterprise that I've put together accomplish what it, what it set out to do, which is you know play well and went over an audience and you're a, uh, a tactician who's kind of looking at the, you know, the individual contributions of everybody. And, you know, when that all syncs up, that's when you get yours. So it's just, yeah. again, and, and you, these are just two perspectives. There's gotta be a zillion other perspectives. Why that, that absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, and I've been in bands, even, even in my own head in situations where, you know, success is the, the crowd was up and dancing all night. Whether or not they recognized the tunes or, you know, I mean, it didn't matter if the band played well, if the, the crowd was up and dancing all night, that that's a win, you know, in, in its own right. Uh-huh. Or, I, but, you know, we played a gig. I, I think I mentioned it. We played a gig uh, at the beach, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I'm sure we talked about it on the show. And the crowd, it was after the Slash concert next door. And the crowd was very much in a, in a listening mode. And it was, that was an, um, a, a, an awesome thing, right? They mm-hmm. didn't want to get up and dance. They, a few of them did at times, but man, they were so engaged, but just sitting there at their table and sipping their beers. But uh, I mean, every move we made on stage was under the microscope and it was great. We played really well. That's cool. it was, yeah, it was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's, I mean, it, I, the, the crowd interaction is not lost on me for sure. It's, it's, it's important. Otherwise you might as well just do it here in the, you know, in the studio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's another thing, you know, it, it's like, when you see these bands that make no effort to perform at all, mm. and nor do they think that they have any obligation to make any effort to perform at all, why why are you taking up stage space that somebody else who could, you know, it's not like you're Al Dimiola, you know, it's not like your your proficiency is is going to be the thing 
rarely is that going to be the case in a cover situation. I was yeah, thinking about even if you have it, it's it's not necessarily the 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 attractive thing. Yeah, yeah that's right. Even if you have it and you're playing covers, it's pretty hard. I mean, someone who writes original material that is that kind of virtuosity type of sure. stuff, and then they have to perform it, you know, and it's their vibe that's going over. But, you know, these guys who gaze at their shoes and, you know, just the notes are right, but there's no, there's no passion. There's no love. There's, you know, that, that actually almost bothers me, you know, to think that uh, that's posing to me. Huh? That, it, 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 I say, huh, because I could easily see where someone in that position would say that what you do and what I do on the weekends is posing to them. Mm. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, they're out there, they're doing their own thing, their own way. And, you know, screw what people actually, you know, what forget, forget pushing the easy button and playing songs. People know I'm going to make people like my original music, right? That whole thing. Um, well, actually, let, let me refine this. I'll put a finer point on it. And I've yeah. said this before. To me, the great equalizer in all this stuff is truth. Like the communication of music yeah. is, is an element of absolute truth. And let me go back this whole thing about shoegazing or, or, you know, whether it's virtuosity or not. What I think I'm saying is um, if you are so uncomfortable performing that you can't emit a sense of truth to the music you're trying to portray original or cover. That's, that's when you're taking up space that uh, you shouldn't be on a stage. Yeah. I'll that's harsh, that. but it's no, know. well, it's, Hey, it's our show. We get to say what we want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was also thinking about, about what you had said about money. You know, you, neither you or I do this for the money and we've had, a, we've had a good conversation about money, but I've been thinking about this actually all week because we, you know, when we did the flubbed um, um, podcast last week, the lost episode, up, yeah. the lost episode, when we're dead, it'll be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Um, hey, I'll tell you folks this. It's online. And if you think a little bit about the URL of where the audio file is, you'd find it. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I don't recommend listening to it. The quality, the audio quality is terrible. So there you go. Yeah. Yep. So the thought is about money. And I was playing an acoustic gig last night. And there were a lot of people I know who are friends there. And they were, many of them were nice enough to throw, you know, whatever in, in a tip jar. Sure. And I was reflecting on money and, you know, I was thinking about before our conversation about money, both of you and I have said, we don't do it for the money, but we understand professionals who are committing their life. And I was telling you about guys. Totally in my different. Band. I have done it for the money in the past. I just don't now. Yeah, that's right. My thought on money is that it is, um, I, I had said before that if you're a musician, if you just give away the service, you're reflecting poorly on the brotherhood of, of other musicians which we didn't get any notes about that, which I'm kind of surprised about because, you know, there's a lot of people say, Hey, I can do whatever I want to do. And my response would be, you know, understand that you're in a market and a market that's already challenged for skilled people who put a lot of time in to make a, to make a living. But my thought on money coming from this conversation that we started last week and a couple of experiences I had this week is, Accepting money for a gig not only contributes to upholding the value of art and, and the transaction of some art, it is at the, at the minimum, it's a little bit of, a, of a, a show of respect. It's a show of respect that you've done something meaningful enough to an audience that, that they would contribute to that. It's a show of respect that you know, you're valuing your service enough and setting a bar somewhere. You know, whether again, you play for $15 or $500 or whatever it is, 
I think the process of getting away from, hey, we will take this gig and we'll do it for free and basically undercutting based upon cost, which I think is a pretty heinous thing. Yep. Uh, uh, I think the process of, of establishing a value uh, uh, and this, so this goes back to the embarrassonics, right? It might not be what I do, but they're, they're contributing music to people's lives, having some fun, but there's a standard by which they say, this is a service. It has some value, even though it's fun and it's worth something. And I think that's something that most musicians, if you're going to get on a stage where there's money involved, this ha- doesn't have anything to do with playing for charities or, you know, sure. all these other things. Sure. But uh, my thoughts on money, you know, before it was just about, I get it, you know, and you should do it because you're a musician and you're screwing another musician if you just take it for less. It's much more to me about this kind of line of respecting the craft of playing music. That makes sense. It totally does. Yeah. And I think when you're doing gigs for charities, uh, you, you still should assign a value to what you what you bring to the table and the people that are there to enjoy it should should uh, pay that just not to you. It, it should be, you know, you, you, you attract the money and then divert it to whatever the charity is that, right. that, that you know, that the event supports. And, and, and I, and that's, I mean, I'm in fact, that's what our most recent fling fest was. Um, yeah. I, I totally get it. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to put a value on this. And like, I mean, you know, it's funny, the, the amazing embarrassonics. I, I don't know if I could do that. I think it'd be fun. Um, chafed actually, one of the bands I play with, like I said, our guitar player can kind of play anything. So we've talked about doing live band karaoke and we've, we've fallen into that in, in a set or two here at, you know, at gigs at times where, because he can just play requests, we'll just bring people up and have them sing. And, and so we've done some of it and we've talked about, well, you know, we could do this. Uh, that's the ultimate interactivity with a crowd, right? <laughs> You've got them on stage with you. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, the, the, the quality bar falls so much lower just by, just by definition. Um, you know, you you there's no way that you're going to, you know, even, even like one of the, one of the, um, one of the things that, that I, I really love at gigs is singing harmonies and, um, but that, you know, you, you can't do that with a live band karaoke thing. Right. Not, right. I mean, you got to be careful there. <laughs> yeah, we saw some interesting performances at this thing. So we saw, yeah. we saw a guy ask, he gets on stage and he says, does anybody know the band Boston? And you and I both looked at each other like, really? Is he going to try Boston? And he gets in and he actually had a, you know, a solid voice to start. Yeah, they sang more than, those, more than a feeling, right? The, right. So the verse was f- actually great. Yeah. Yep. And then it got to the place where the voice takes off and he went down, not one, but two, octaves. two octaves down. Yeah. Yeah. But you know that, that I, I actually had that uh, tune on my list here because when the band, the, I thought the band played that tune really well. That tune's got a lot of twists and turns. Right. And despite the fact that this vocalist just sort of, I don't want to say he ruined it because you could say that about almost anybody that sings with a live band karaoke thing. Right. I mean, except for the, the one or two a night that might be, you know, ringers that, that really sing and know what they're doing. Um, so he didn't ruin it, but he also didn't add anything to it. Let's just put it that way uh, that he had fun. And that's, that's the point. But at the end of that tune, man, the band, they were congratulating each other and sincerely, like they felt really good about how they navigated through the tune. They hit every change, 
uh, right together. They they blended well. I, I mean, it was and they were proud of this. They had it. They had one of those musical moments, you know, yeah. unbeknownst yeah. to the singer. And and frankly, the singer could have cared less. And I and that's how it should have been. But the band was pretty happy with themselves about that, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. But everything about that was interesting to me. And then there's the things yeah. where people just got up on stage. Uh, like Kelly actually did a did a um, Joan Jett song really really well, right? Really well, yeah, exactly. Like, and that to me, so so you're listening for technical proficiency, and I'm listening for emoting. And uh, you know that's the thing about rock and roll. It's not everybody went to Juilliard, but you can still kill. Absolutely. And so she came up. She clearly loved the music. She loved the the song. She loved the chance to sing it to people, and she just crushed this Joan Jett song, like. I would say one of the highlights of the night in terms of like a performance. I thought that was really, really cool. Totally. Yeah. And then, you know, there's like, you know, people getting up, guys singing. uh, What did that one guy sing on the wings of love? No. What did he sing? What was that one that you and I looked at each other? It was like, what's he doing? Oh, there was something. It was a girl song. It was, uh, it was a Taylor, Taylor Dane song. What was that? So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was something, but yeah, it was clearly, it was for shtick, right? Right. It was shtick, but the whole thing is shtick, right? I mean, it, it that's at least well, Kelly wasn't shtick though. Kelly that's was like, true. yeah, and and that actually is why I couldn't do it, is because so much of it to so many people would be shtick, and this stuff is. I mean, I'm all for having fun, but rock and roll is fun, but uh, if you're going to make a mockery of it and you know sing something just to warble or just to you know get your drunk friends to get a rise out of it, then it's still it's still important enough to me. Yep. That uh, to sing a song. I mean, I guess maybe if you say Louie Louie or something like that. But uh, if you take a song that's like a you know a love song or something that meant something to somebody, and you squash it. Remember what you said the, the, that night when we were talking about uh, your friend who sang with Van Halen, yeah. and he had the words on stage because you never know whether that's the song. Yeah, you never know if that's the song. And you never you know. know. No, you I never know. I'm with you. Yeah, it, it the, the music means something to people. And this is, this is actually my one issue with, with chafed, right? Because we'll take a request and Maddie will play anything and he'll also sing anything, even if it means just singing in a falsetto, just to kind of cover it. And, and he's a, he's a very attractive guy, right? So the, the women fall all over him. Uh, we, we have this, it's kind of stupid. I shouldn't say this. Uh, we, we've sorted it out, right? That the women at chafed gigs, 90% of them, love Maddie, right? Just just absolutely love him. And they stand in front of him and they actually like jockey for position in front of him so that Maddie makes sure, you know, they make the guy's married, right? You know, but they don't care. They they want to be in front of him. And then and then the the, the of the you know of the the 10% that's left, you know, there's like uh 7% actually pay attention to me. So I get I get the the second most <laughs> number. And then Johnny D. But it's just in second at that. Oh, just yeah, right. I mean, we're talking right, you know, about rounding errors here. And then and then uh, and, and we figured it out. Johnny D actually gets two, and then there's one percent split between Jimmy and Steve because Steve looks like Dracula. Uh, but some some women are really into that. So and it's great, you know. But uh, there's somebody for everybody. But it's just interesting seeing. This. But anyway, Matt will do this, and he can get away with it. He's he's very charismatic uh, to everyone, not just not just women. He, you know, he just he he's one of those people. Yeah. However, I always worry uh, that, you know, the people that are in the club, we've played a couple of tunes that we play well, right? You know, because we can be a tight band. And then suddenly it loosens up entirely. And the people that are there in the room that have been there the whole night totally get what's happening, right? They heard somebody request something. We're honoring this request. We're doing 
you know, I wouldn't even say we're doing the best we can, you know, we're doing the best that we need to at that point. And I worry about the guy that walks in the door at that moment. Right now, maybe I shouldn't worry about the guy that walks in the door at that moment. Cause we are just playing and we're having fun and the crowd's having fun. And there's this great connection and it, it's actually, you know, a really a two way vibe, but I always think, gosh, what, you know, what would happen if some, what, what happens? Cause I know it happens, right? It's, these are bars. They don't, they don't close the doors when the set starts and say, sorry, you got to wait till the second set. You know, they let people in all night long. It's funny how that works. All and, right. Everybody drink. Cause I'm going to give a Springsteen reference here. So just go ahead and, and okay. toss one back. All right. Drink. Yeah. 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 Go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I've said this on the show before. The greatest quote from Bruce is that you have to play like it's at the same time, the most important serious thing you're doing and the most frivolous thing you can be doing. It yeah. is a blend of those two things. That's true. The, the act of making music is a very serious thing, but it's only rock and roll and we like it. And there's a, there's a tender spot in there that kind of describes it. You can play, play that funky music. White boy. I, in my band, we, you know, we play love roller coaster. Sure. That's a, that's a disco song. Yeah, man. totally. Right. Yeah. And, but we play the hell out of it. We play it, you know, we play it with joy and fun. But we don't mock it. I mean, Nick does a little rap thing in it, and and uh, and it's. But it's a song, and it's a song. Like someone will come up and say, "Oh, that was on my playlist when I was in high school," and that, yeah. you know, that's cool. It, you know, just like your guy in Van Halen, any song, any any line in any song could be the line. So I think that there's a sweet spot in there. You can have fun with something, and you can be frivolous as long as you're respecting the craft. So I, I, I don't think it's something we need to drink about yet, but we should probably, you know, get it on the, on the back burner. I'll make a fish reference here, but I believe it's my first, uh, John Fishman, the drummer from fish wears a dress most of the time when he plays, uh, and it's this stupid dress and, and, uh, and he started wearing it decades ago when some fan made it for him or something. And somebody asked him about it and he said, no, it's it for you know, it's actually a serious thing that I do because it's a reminder for me that as serious as I take the music, I need to make sure I don't take myself seriously at all. It's all about just playing the music. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, same thing. it's the same thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's my problem with the chafe thing is the, we're not taking the music seriously when we play those, you know, joke kind of tunes. Cause we're not playing them well. We're not playing them as well as we could most of the time. However, and perhaps this is another back burner reference. Um, the, uh, there have been times when people have requested something and we have surprised the heck out of ourselves by playing it far more perfectly than it should have come across the first time on stage. And there, and, and two songs come to mind. The first was, uh, uh, come on Eileen by Dexy's midnight runners. <laughs> we had each learned that one separately. And I think, you know why I learned it, right? Because it was put on, it was suggested for the Macworld all-star band list. I don't think anyone would have ever actually put it on the list for various reasons, but uh, you know, it floated across via email and I put it on my list and I wanted to learn it because it, it is an interesting song and it has some yeah. you know tempo changes and, and all kinds of things. And so I had learned it and filed it away in my head and it was, you know, and that was that, and that had happened to all three of us. Uh, the bass player, Maddie and I. And so when somebody requested it, we kind of looked at each other. We're like, ah, uh, we should try this and see what happens. And it was, it wasn't perfect, but it was awesome. You know, it was really one of those moments. And then the same thing happened with a rush tune. Somebody requested, they were requesting rush all night. It was, 
a, a place that we play a bunch, but it was a really light crowd because it was the Saturday night before Easter, which is a gig that if you are offered, be very, very careful if you take it <laughs> right. The Saturday night before Easter, the Saturday night of Labor Day weekend and the Saturday night right. of Memorial Day weekend. These are typically kisses of death. And if you if you don't want to ruin your relationship with a club, be very careful how you accept those dates and make sure, you know, you all know. But but anyway, we took this one. I think it was the last time we played at that club. Uh, so we, we learned our lesson there. But this one guy was just requesting Rush all night and we kept starting Rush tunes. I was a big Rush fan. And actually, all three of us were, at, at, you know, at the same time, but not together. And uh, so we, you know, we'd started like a little bit of Tom Sawyer and I think a little bit of limelight we started and, and something else. And then finally, Maddie started uh, the spirit of radio and suddenly we were at the end of the tune <laughs> and, and we're all looking at each other like, Holy crap. Do you understand Impressive. what just happened? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did you fart around with it at a rehearsal sometime? Like, did you know that all of you knew it? No, no. Maddie wow. just started playing the thing, you know, cause the guy requested rush again. And so he just started playing it. And Steve and I looked at each other and counted each other in and, uh, and kind of gave each other glances about who was going to sing, which vocal part or whatever. And, uh, that was it. I mean, man, we, wow. we did the whole thing and it was pretty, it was, I mean, listen, if we listen back to it, there's a lot of things we would need to fix, but, uh, just the fact that we made it through was one of those that things. It was like ooh, huge accomplishment. Totally. So those things, you know, again, there's one of those moments that I live for and I still reliving this. I, in fact, I remember the date that it happened, right. You know, but it could, and it couldn't have happened without lots of crappy moments before it. Right. You know, and since, but, um, but it makes it worth it. So, you know, I'm arguing you know against what song, myself here. Here's a great example of that song that it's easy to be that silly band about. And my band has played this maybe five or six times in 16 years. Sweet Caroline. Oh yeah. Right. Well, it's very easy to go into schmaltz. It's so, very easy. Right. You know, people are going to enjoy the small, the schmaltz, right? It's a very different thing when you are performing near Boston versus anywhere else in the country, though, everybody sings the chorus of sweet Caroline. I know everybody. It's, it's everybody sings the bop, bop, bop. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 But you didn't, I mean, you didn't know this when we first did it in the, uh, in the all-stars, right? I mean, it was a new, it, it hadn't yet spread to the West coast at that point. It hadn't, but you know, so when I brought it into my band, because I knew people would like it yeah. in a, in a, in a semi ironic type of way, not that I wanted to schmaltz it up. It's sure. not like I, it's not like I do the lounge singer thing when, when I, when I sing it. Um, but I get a collective groan from my band. No. And I think to some, the groan is that they don't like the song for whatever reason. Sure. So I, I, I don't think any of these guys have really actually played that song that much. I mean, I'm not exactly sure if there's a, like, I'm tired of that song. Cause we certainly have, played brown eyed girl and sweet home Alabama a lot more than we played that song, but <laughs> they get a collective one. And so we play this song and uh, I take it moderately seriously. You know, again, that, that balance of yeah. it's a fun yeah. song. You're going to play it. So context, you context you, you're going to play it. So you might as well deliver it as well as you possibly can. That's right. Right. Yeah. But we get to the, you know, the chorus and the guys have added, you know, their own lyrics to the chorus that, that uh, it has a certain amount of humor to it for them. And I think for the house, well, <laughs> I get I, it. I, guess, no, I get it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and may, maybe that's the few times that we've played it. It's gone over. Well, I mean, it, it, it's one of those songs. Like we did the list of songs that o always go over well for cover bands. That's one. And I think you have to, yeah, you have to really, really screw it up for this song. Not to, 
be fun for people. Totally. Uh, but that's a, it's a good example of you can't be overly serious about it. No, not ever. No, no. We play that song. Tra- uh, we don't play it every tra- gig. Go ahead. Sorry. You shouldn't trash. People shouldn't trash the song. No, you shouldn't trash Mustang Sally. You shouldn't trash. I mean, if you're, if you, if you really, really have something against it, you just don't play it. Right. I mean, yeah, it, yeah that's but, all. But don't, don't disrespect the song. You know, it, 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 it is what it is because it meant something to a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. We just played a wedding this weekend and uh, Mustang Sally was one of the, the uh, bride's requests. And, uh, you know, it shows up in the set list and the guys looked at me like, really? I said, everything on the set list is requested by the bride. And they're like, all right. So we played it and it did what it did. You know, everybody, everybody rides and everybody sings the chorus and, and everybody has a good time and you don't have to stretch it out and, you know, do 500 solos, but, um, but it does what it does. And it, yeah. it means something to people and at weddings and parties, it's a, it's a great inclusive experience for people. And you got to respect that, that concept of getting people singing together, whatever it is, that is a very pure expression of joy that people have. And you gotta, you gotta appreciate that, not mock it. You know, Russ in fling are uh, mostly rhythm guitar player and, and really kind of, you know, part of the glue of what, what holds fling together. Uh, always hated Mustang Sally until he watched, uh, I think it was the muscle shoals documentary and noticed how the guitar groove was yeah. really played. Right. And, and most of the time you play that sort of chunked up cover band, rock and roll version of Mustang Sally. And there's a much more subtle, uh, you know, groovier, funkier yes. way to play it. Yeah. And, and Russ hated that song. It wouldn't, I, it was not on our set list. And, and you know, there were, there were reasons for that. And he came to a rehearsal after that and started, I heard him playing the groove the right way. And it was like, Oh, okay. Now that's greasy. He's like, yeah. Did you ever hear this song? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, (laughs) yeah, I, I I know, I know what's going on here. Hey, it's hard to play simple, right? You know, and those things are, are studies in restraint and technique and, and, uh, and people leaving space. I mean, there's, again, the reason the original groove for that, broke that song, you know, into the stratosphere is because it was greasy. It was, it was this nasty, sexy, you know, sweaty grind of a song that yeah. drove people crazy. You it, gotta remember these, these things are not accidents why these songs blow up. No, it, they're not. And, and so we started playing it more like that. I mean, we're still a five piece rock band without horns, right? So there's, there, there, you're not going to get that same kind of thing. But you, we get much closer to it than than you would normally expect a, a five piece just rock and roll band to do. And it's a whole lot more fun for us. And and again, partially just because we've we've worked on it and it's it's a thing as opposed to, oh, it's that song we have to play. Well, if we if we have to play it, let's work it out. Let's you know, let's we, have we some did fun that list it. of songs of the, that uh, yeah. always go over. I think we should also do a list of songs that has enough time passed where you can bring them back and they'd be cool. Stairway to heaven would be the number one song that I would think of that. If you did it now, nobody's nobody, you know, that's a fairly mature player that's been in bands their whole life that played it a lot 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I don't, it's, you don't really hear it now. So if you were to play it now, would it be cool? I'll, I, I, yes, you might be right. It's hard to sing. So it, you, you know, you've got to deliver it somewhat appropriately otherwise uh-huh. it won't come over well but yeah i think you're probably right however 
I will see your stairway to heaven <laughs> and I will raise you a solid free bird. I, you know, I saw Freebird perform by a band locally here. Yeah. The guitar player played the hell out of the solo note for note, drove people freaking crazy. Yep. And um, Freebird is, is it too. I mean, it, and you know, there's a temptation always when that person yells out Freebird in the audience to go into it and actually do it because that's a moment that you can, you can treasure forever. And if you could, if you could pull off Freebird, although going back to Stairway to Heaven, my dream is to actually do the Zappa version where there's a full horn section playing the guitar solo note for note. That's killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, not a Zappa fan, but Nick turned me onto that and I thought that was the coolest thing. Oh, that's a killer version. So I'll, I'll, I'll now you can drink uh, fish <laughs> does a great a hundred percent acapella version of Freebird, where they sing the guitar solo and everything. It's, it's I, just all. Yeah. But we wound up, we had that exact moment where, uh, and I think it was a couple of years ago with chafed where somebody kept requesting free bird. And it was a private kind of a private party. It was an auction charity auction that we're doing for a baseball organization around here that we do every year. And somebody just kept requesting it. It was actually the night that they had caught the guy uh, that had, that was responsible for the, the Boston marathon bombing. So it, and, and that happened while we were playing like that news broke. So there, there was, the, there was this collective vibe, you know, there, and that's, that was about an hour from us. So, um, so this guy kept requesting it and finally we, we started it and played it all the way through and played the heck out of it. And Maddie nailed the solo. I mean, it was, you know, it, it's just how this guy is. He plays anything, like I said, and, right. uh, and, and it, it, it inspired us. Right. I mean, when we finished that song, we were pumped. We were like, we should play that every night. And then we looked at each other. Well, maybe not, but you know, <laughs> like that's the spirit, you know, <laughs> any of these songs, I'll, I'll see your free bird. And I'll raise you a Johnny B. Good. Go yeah. back and play Johnny Be Good, not too fast, and guitar players take the distortion off of your guitars and try and play it to the original vibe that Chuck Berry played it. Oh, that's a good tune. A different song, right? Yeah. Any of the Chuck Berry tunes, you know, because what we've heard for the past 50 years is overly distorted guitars that totally change the vibe of these things. And, uh, you know, that which Chuck Berry innovated all those years ago, not only the licks and the riffs are incredible, but, you know, there's a tonal aspect to the way he delivered it that goes back to that thing of truth. I mean, evidently, he was a pretty a difficult person. Right. And and he had this nastiness in his tone that, you know, just kind of came out in the aggressiveness and the way he played. No distortion. It's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. So Mustang Sally might be the best example of that, though, because that song, poor song, has been <laughs> there are many words, you know, bastardized. There's a, another couple of words that we can put in here. What has been done to that poor song over the years? Yeah. If you go back and listen to Wilson Pickett sing the original and just listen to that, that band groove like that, the bass line, the subtlety of the, the tone of the drums back then. I mean, you know, yeah. you go into a whole thing about, you know, how they recorded back then, but just the, you know, that is greasy is a great word, Dave. I mean, that is, it that is. is a nasty, nasty groove. As long as it's played right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of those good tunes. All right. So we didn't do it at the beginning of the show. We started, we've danced around it uh, over the last two weekends. We got to talk about the gigs that we've played. So I'll start with last weekend and I'll let you go. And then I'll finish up with this weekend. Uh, I played, I believe I should open up my calendar because that was, that would be the easiest way. But uh, we had our, our fling fest on, uh, on Saturday the 6th. So that was, and it was a charity thing for a, a 
my daughter actually took over the organization of this, this particular fling fest and made it a charity thing for an event she had to do for her, uh, one of her classes at school. She had to do this thing where, uh, it's called the power of one where you, you do something and show what one person's efforts can, can turn into when they're amplified like this. And, and she, I think she raised almost 600 bucks for a charity called little kids rock. And, uh, it was great. We had a couple of high school, we actually had three kids bands and then fling played. And one of the bands, their drummer, the third band, uh, their drummer wasn't there on time for them to start. So the drummer from the first band, there was, there was at least one member of every band, including, uh, at the end of this little jam session that just happened impromptu, they brought me up. So we had fling represented too, even though fling had yet to play. And, uh, and it turned into this really fun kind of family night, exactly what it was supposed to be. Um, I already mentioned the the thing where my guitar player screwed up at the end of our set. But other than that, you know, it um, now even with that, I mean, it, it was a great night and the set ended well because we played the, the end of the tune in the right key. So, so there you go. It's all well that ended well. It's all that anyone will remember. That's uh, sh- other than me, I guess. I mean, right. I'll, I'll be honest. So there you go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was uh, the first weekend. So, and that's, I think I only had that one gig. Yeah. Cause I flew to San Francisco the next morning. I actually didn't sleep at all that night because I had an eight o'clock flight out, but that's okay. So that weekend, two weekends ago, I was off completely. And uh-huh. actually I only have one more weekend between now and the middle of October that I don't have anything. Wow. So I'm very fortunate to have a, you know, really great calendar all the way through the summer, through the fall. And um, so I'll have a lot to talk about these experiences, but two weekends ago, was my last kind of off weekend, one more in the middle of the summer somewhere. Yep. But uh, I, w- I was off two weekends ago. What'd you do this past weekend? Uh, so this past weekend, let's see. Oh, I had uh, two, it, two interesting gigs. One was uh, Monkey Fist, which is the acoustic trio from Chafed. We played at a club called the Dairy Field here, which is in Manchester, New Hampshire. It overlooks a golf course. And we played, I think it was a seven to 10 kind of thing outside on the deck with the sun going down and it was just perfect weather. The, it was, it rained that night, but it didn't rain until we got in our cars to leave and, and head home. So it was, it was just perfect. We had nice people, you know, sitting there on the deck and having fun with us and harmonies were killer all night long. And it was just one of those magic nights. It was, it was outstanding. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. And then Saturday, uh, I've done this now three years in a row, the middle school jazz band, which really, I mean, it's about a hundred kids. It's, it's really a studio orchestra. They do a thing at a theater in Portsmouth, New Hampshire at the, the at the music hall, which is a, you know, several hundred year old theater. Uh, they play the music for a silent movie and they did uh, Buster Keaton seven chances this year. And I've been asked each year to be involved and in playing the sound effects. Somebody else scores them. And he and I, this guy, Andy, who scores the sound effects, he and I uh, do all the little sound effects in the in the pit. And and I actually when I was first asked to do it years ago, I said, no, a kid should be doing this. I, You know, I don't need to be involved. And they explained to me, well, they only rehearse it once and uh, with the sound effects and we rehearse the rest of the music for a month and a half at school. So if a kid did the sound effects, he would have nothing to do in school for a month and a half. So I was like, OK, fine, I'll do it. And then I realized how awesome it is to be able to do that kind of a thing in that kind of a theater, you know, that was built for this, that actually did this, you know, a hundred years ago or 70 years ago or whatever it was. And, uh, and so we did it again this year and it's just, it's really awesome to be able to be a part of that. So I'm, cool. I'm very grateful. Yeah. 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 It was one of those things I tried to get myself out of them. Now I'm so happy I didn't. 
Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I did this weekend. It was those two. Yeah. All right. So for me, this past weekend started the craziness. So I had Wednesday night acoustic madness. Um, that's the trio that I play. And the nice thing about that is uh, we have this uh, semi-regular Wednesday night gig at a place called the cat. Yeah. And we've been doing this for about six months. It's starting to turn into a thing. You know, we have a great crowd that comes to see us fairly regularly. And now we're starting to get some very cool musicians that are coming out. Um, and, uh, you know, just enjoying the music. And we, we usually that we're really open to sit-ins there. And it's kind of turned into a scene where people never know who's going to show up. And there's a lot of really, really cool stuff going on. So, so the Acoustic Madness was Wednesday. Thursday, Black Sunday Roadshow, my 16-piece Americana band played out at a nice winery, except it was about 104 degrees and there's no covering. And it was, when we first started, it was freaking hot. And that band, uh, you know, it's, it's not my primary project. Sure. Uh, and it's a lot of people, but they're very, very good players. Uh, the bass player is brand new and Kat's a good, good player. And he worked really hard to, to learn the show. Um, you know, there's there's a pretty even, and our friend Chris Breen plays in that. Uh, there's a pretty even distribution of talent and commitment, and we do we do fine for as as little as that band rehearses. Uh, and we had some great moments, and we had some you know rough moments. But whenever that band plays, because people are so used to seeing rock and roll or you know funk cover bands, we always get some nice comments from people who really just want to go out and listen to music. So often it's from country music purists because a lot of this stuff kind of has that old country feel to it. And so we get a lot of nice comments uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of like this so different. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, we'll do like uh, when the saints go marching in this beautiful gospel version of that. Cause I've got these three fantastic gospel singers who sing with me. And so it's a, it's a bunch of different sounds than you typically get going out to hear a cover band. So some great moments, some okay moments, nice crowd, crazy hot day. And then coincidentally, the house rockers played a wedding at that same place. It's, you know, it's about, half hour away from here uh, the next night. So the sound guy got to leave his stuff there. Uh, and uh, the house rocker came in again. It was a, it was a, a nighttime wedding when the ceremony happened, it was hot. And, but by the time the sun went down and the dancing started great people, totally appreciative, both the groom and the bride and the parents of the bride uh, and the audience just loved it. And it was just one of those, you know, I say this all the time, you know, weddings are, are a mixed bag. They're long days. If you're, you're the one who has to, work on the organizing of them. Yeah. It's a lot of phone calls, a lot of back and forth. But when you get to that point, when you realize that you have added something to the beginning of a couple's life, you know, together, uh, and you're part of the memories that they're starting to make, it actually is quite an honor and a privilege to play these events. I mean, I, I think the jaded among us will say, Oh, there's such long days and, you know, having, and you they know, are grandma, grandma say turn down and, yeah. and then grandpa say turn up and you know, those types of things, you know, but at, when you get that moment where you play a song and their friends are all around them in a circle and they're having a moment and you're a part of that moment, that's pretty freaking special. Totally special. Yeah. It's all about yeah. connecting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, so that uh, was, yeah, go. Was there more or no? Yeah. Well, that was Friday night and then oh, Saturday okay. night I didn't play. And then Sunday I did a solo acoustic. And the only thing I want to say about the solo acoustic thing is it, it's a Sunday night. The Warriors were on TV and you know, right. the Warriors are having a good run in basketball right now. I didn't expect a whole lot. I didn't promote the gig very hard. Sure. I did something the day of, and then I was just so touched about 35 or 40 friends who come to see me in different things. They just started streaming in over the course of time I was there. And it was funny because, you know, when we started, there were maybe 10, seven o'clock, I played seven to 10. Uh, 
and the guy from the restaurant, he was like, you know, it's kind of a was a slow day for us. It's hot out. People are home watching. I think we're going to close early. So, you know, you know, you should sure. just play till late 30 or nine. And then more and more people started streaming in and they were <laughs> awesome. They were just, they were just awesome people and they were just so appreciative and, you know, made me feel like a rock star for the night. And, you know, they were, they were very attentive. And this is that place I, I think I've spoken about in the past that, you know, not a great, it, it's not a listening room and not a great sound system and all these types of things. So I took the gig on the condition I could bring my Bose sound system sure. so I could hear myself. Yep. And it made all the difference in the world. Uh, I felt a lot more comfortable. The songs were flowing really well. And it was just turned into one of those nights that had a lot of nice moments. Uh, and um, I just, it was very, very touched by, you know, they, Sunday night to get 35, 40 people out for a gig. That's a pretty good thing. That's a good turnout, man. Yeah. Especially yeah. given that, that, like you said, there's, you know, that basketball game was on and, and all that stuff. Oh, and it's awesome. a solo acoustic. It's not like the full band or anything like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, one guy, you drawing everything. Right. Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, that's a, uh, I think that's a wrap, man. That's that, that brings us to probably our longest episode yet. So there you go. Good stuff tonight. Definitely good stuff. Hopefully there's a little bit of this, the, the, the whole, <laughs> the little, the little extra length makes up for uh, us not having a show last week. Sorry about that. I, folks. I thought you were going to say, hopefully there are no technical glitches. Um, I'm pretty sure there's not cause I can hear what's being recorded, but anything is possible. So we got to get you recording these on your end too. In fact, uh, we, we should do that anyway, but we'll, we'll sort yeah. that out, uh, off the air at some point. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Please send us uh, anything. Just tell us, hey, we like, uh, I like, I like what you guys are doing. I don't like what you guys are doing. Whatever you want to send us, it doesn't matter. Ask us a question. Uh, we've actually got a couple of questions piled up that we will, uh, that we will go through next time. So thank you so much for listening. And thanks, Paul. This is, uh, this was a fun one, man. I'm glad we could revisit this subject. We were on a roll last week. I think it was just as good tonight. I agree. Yep. See you next time, folks. All right, Dave. See ya.